You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the River. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to comprehend and to receive, Father, your will, your purpose tonight. That you would equip us, Lord, for the work of the ministry. And I pray tonight, Lord, you'd open the hearts of those who don't know you. And you'd heal the hearts of those that are broken. And you would mend us, Father, in the way that you do. And Lord, we thank you for your spirit and your power in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Turn to a few people and say you still look great tonight. Always want to look good, amen? Well, tonight I want to talk about spiritual obstacles. Because I've noticed this with a lot of people, sometimes we put in all the energy that we can into our faith and we're believing God or whatever, and it seems like we hit a lid spiritually and we can't get through it. Now, usually when that happens, there's some sort of curse that has been activated, maybe not by you, but by someone else, that is hindering your prayers from being answered. And I want to talk about that tonight because I believe this process of removing these curses that are in our culture through sin is an ongoing process. It's not just something you do in one meeting. It's something because there is such a thing as self-induced curses. And we'll talk about that in the Word tonight. And so as we get into this... I want you to just get your ears open for how God can minister to you and help you. And I'm going to show you some real good scripture on areas that you can find in your life that have opened doors to demonic oppression. Can you say amen? So turn with me to Genesis or Galatians chapter 3 verse uh, 13 and 14. I want to start with this one. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Look at the next part that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now notice he's talking about two things. He's talking about the fact that Christ became a curse for us. In the Old Testament, if someone was hung on a tree and killed, they considered that person cursed. Jesus took the curse upon himself on the cross for us. We know this. He was made sin in order that we might be made the righteousness of God. He was punished with God's wrath so that we wouldn't have to be punished. But it says he redeemed us from the curse. In Deuteronomy 28, you get a description of the curse. You have 14 references to the blessing and 54 references to the curse. So if you ever want to read through that, it gives you detail on when something is cursed and when it's not cursed. Amen? Because just because you have trouble doesn't mean you're under a curse. But there are certain indications that it could be more than just trouble and there is a demonic oppression or demonic spirits behind it that are oppressing you spiritually. Now, the other thing that I want to mention is the, the blessing and the curse. What is it exactly? It isn't your new home. It isn't your expense account. It's not the blessing. It is a spiritual, supernatural force that will help you prosper and increase in every area in your life. That's the blessing. 
It's supernatural. In other words, you, you experience increase in your life, in your marriage, in your relationships, in your actions of what you do in your job, and, and it produces fruitfulness. The curse is a supernatural power that brings barrenness. It's almost like there's a shadow over you, and no matter how hard you try, you can't seem to bear fruit in that particular area. And don't get the idea that if you're cursed, you're cursed and you can't be blessed. There's people that are blessed in certain areas of their life, but there's a curse in some areas in their life. And I want to talk to them tonight because I believe a lot of Christians are struggling with this and they can't seem to go past the ceiling in certain areas. And it seems like the harder they pray, they get to this place where they get frustrated and it's not working, what's wrong, and usually they just back off. But it could be some sort of curse. Now, we know Christ redeemed us from the curse. Amen? Amen. But what does that mean? Well, in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says this. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What is it that has passed away in your new man? What has passed away is the curse. Your inner man has been redeemed spiritually from the curse of the law. He's not going to be redeemed. He is redeemed. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Just like when you believe on Christ, uh, you become holy like Jesus is. It's not because you have worked for it to become holy. The Bible says be holy as he is holy. There's no progression. When the Bible says that we've been made righteous, there's no progression of righteousness. We are made righteous as he's made righteous. See, what is passed away is unrighteousness. What is passed away is lack of holiness. What is passed away is the curse. But remember, he's talking about your inner man, your body is not redeemed from the curse. Your soul isn't redeemed from the curse. Only your inner man, which means my inner man, I need to believe in faith and work out that salvation so that I can be redeemed from the curse in my body, redeemed from the curse in my work. You understand, outwardly in my life, I can be redeemed from the curse. Inwardly, I've been set free from Jesus. Don't get quiet on me. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. So I wanted you to see that because a curse is very unique. It is something that's passed down. Jesus, or, or the Lord, when he gave the law to Moses, he said, said to him, he said, tell the people that if they put an idol before them, whatever, that I'm going to punish them, not just them, but their children and the children's children and the offspring from those children, four generations. He said that because he didn't want them to sin. The reality is we say it this way. Well, that runs in my family. We've always been bad-tempered in my family. That's a curse. Nothing spiritual about that. Or you may say this mental illness runs in our family. My mom, she was on medication. Her mom was on medication. 
That's a curse because it's passed down. So anything that's passed down is a curse. Anything that you inherit that is making you barren in whatever area it may be comes from a curse. Now what I want to do is I want to break free from all those things. And I know that Christ redeemed me from the curse of the law, which includes poverty, which includes sickness and disease, which includes mental issues and whatever. And, and, and I have, the Lord has delivered me in many times from illnesses or whatever, and, and even things that I've inherited from my parents, I have the faith and the, and the power to be delivered from that. In other words, if your parents had a heart condition, you have the power in Christ to be free from that. Amen. Are you with, with me so far? Amen. So as we look at this, I want you to understand that just because it says Christ redeems from the curse of the law doesn't mean that you don't have to use your faith. It doesn't mean that you don't have to do something in faith to receive God's best in your life. There's a lot of stuff you need to do. And there's a lot of things that you shouldn't do that will open a doorway for curses in your life. And I know this to be true because I've known Christians. In fact, I can't mention names, but I had a very close friend who was in ministry. And uh, in his family was a lot of perversion. Not in his immediate family, but in his relatives and all that. And... Uh, and he served the Lord for many, many years, but that spirit came back and he fell, succumbed to it, and lost everything. Even though you're delivered, the devil still come back, try to visit you. Still try to put on you your family weaknesses to try to sabotage you and destroy you in Jesus' name. Amen? Now look at Proverbs 26.2. Just laying a little foundation here. Like a flittering sparrow like a flying sh sh uh, swallow so a curse without a cause shall not lighten. in other words there's always a cause to a curse curses just don't happen there's a cause behind it it isn't bad luck there's a reason for it and you can't break free from these things if you don't get to the cause of the thing and this is what a lot of Christians do. They, they struggle and they try to be free and they try to be holy and they try to live all these rights. And they don't realize that sometimes there's just a, some type of curse in that area that needs to be broken in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to show you the different ways that you can break the power of a curse. Or they are unaware and they're doing things in their life that are opening doors to those cursed things. What we don't need is supernatural power to make us barren. What we don't need is supernatural power to make our marriages fail. What we don't need is supernatural power to make our finances be completely dissolved and destroyed. We need that supernatural power, the blessing, and the blessing that we received, it says it was a blessing of Abraham, and it says that Abraham was blessed in everything. That blessing is so powerful that it can bless you in every area in your life. Doesn't matter what kind of weaknesses you've had in your life, that blessing is so powerful that it can cure you and deliver you from it in your life if you listen to what I'm teaching you tonight. Amen? Now, I want you to see something here. 
I want you to write this down. Curses can be transferred by physical objects in your home, in your life, on your person. Physical objects. Let me show it to you in a positive sense. Because remember, the curse and the blessing are spiritual powers. One brings unfruitfulness. The other brings fruitfulness. When we partake of communion, we use bread and we use grape juice. Those are two substances that release the blessing of God. Amen. The Apostle Paul in the Ephesus revival, it says that he was made tense in the morning. And it said that they took his aprons and his handkerchief and they laid it on sick people. And demons came out that were connected with the diseases. And people were healed without anybody praying, without anybody saying anything. The anointing was so strong in his life that it was absorbed in his sweat And they took that cloth and transferred that blessing on whoever they laid it on. Well, demonic power is the same. It can be transferred through objects. Now, in America, we, we, when we think of demonic stuff, we think of witchcraft. But all over the world, the same thing. You got medicine men, you got Sharma overseas. All these individuals worship idols. And whenever you worship an idol, you, whatever, in, or whatever carving or whatever you have concerning it, that becomes an instrument that the devil will use and it will attract demonic power into your life. Are you listening to me? It could be from an Indian reservation. It could be a totem pole. It could be a lucky horseshoe. It can be something that was handed down from one of your, uh, your grandfather. He got it from his grandfather. And it could have been used in an in a unsacred way towards demonic worship of some idol. Whether the sun, whether the moon, whether nature... New Age, they have all these stones. Well, if a New Age person is using that, they're worshiping creation, that stone is going to have, it's going to attract demonic oppression or demons into your home if you keep it in your home. I'm not preaching something that isn't scriptural. And I'll give you uh, some other examples. And this is found in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, when a husband thought that his wife was unfaithful, he didn't just accuse her. He took her to the high priest. They had a process. They took him to the high priest, and they would write on the parchment a, a curse. And because they didn't have ink back then, what they were able to wash off whatever they wrote on the parchment, and they would wash it off into a cup of water. And they would give the water to the woman and she would drink it. If she was guilty, she would swell up and her feminine or parts, whatever, there'd be a problem physically. I don't know what it was, but it can be good. Amen? And the the husband would know she was guilty. And if she was innocent, she could drink it was just some water. No big deal. But the point that I wanted you to see is that that 
curse, which came from God at that point, went through the water and through that ink, whatever type of ink they had, the ink we have nowadays has acid and they didn't have ink like that, was the tool by which the curse was transmitted. Amen? Now, this is so true because when we look at our culture and everything that we do, we, we wonder why our kids are in trouble. They come home and they got skulls and they put up symbols that they got from their, their rock bands and whatever. Some of those rock bands are Satan worshipers and, and, and those symbols are satanic and they attract evil spirits. And that's why the rebellion is so strong in them. You know, it isn't, it isn't about the earrings. It's not about the tattoos. It's not about how they look. It isn't that. It's the symbols that were used in demonic activity that many of these bands use to sell their products. And so what, what I think the thing to do is to examine your home to see if you have anything in it that could attract demonic powers in your house. And to give you an example, there's a missionary, he was overseas and he was at a Bible school. In the Bible school, something was happening. The students would go in there and they'd end up falling asleep in class. And they were having a hard time doing the homework and all this stuff and, and he didn't understand what it was. And he looked on the windowsill and there was a little tiny idol there of some God that they had worshiped over there. He removed it. All the students stayed away. All the students then could study. It was, it was, in a, it was something that was attracting demonic spirits. Now, I've shared this before, but I might as well do it again. This is personal. I was on a construction job years ago before I went into ministry. On fire for God and working with the guy. He's chronically ill all the time. I said, what's going on? You're a Christian? He said, I'm a Christian. He says, I'm, I'm chronically ill everywhere. My, my wife, my kids, everybody's sick. We, get, we just get over it. We get sick again. And I felt led by the Spirit. I said, what do you have in your house? And he kind of hemmed and hollered. I said, well, I don't really have anything. I just have just one thing. And I said, what's the one thing? And he says, I, in a closet. It's, it's in the back. I never look at it. But it's a book on witchcraft. I said, get rid of it. He got rid of it. Next week when I was working with him, all the sickness was gone. All this was gone. It was all, and we didn't have to pray. It all left. It was all connected with whatever spells, with whatever evil was attracted to, to, to that book that he had. This is why I don't like Harry Potter. Because you're dealing with witchcraft. I, I like... Non, or I like things that aren't true, but the reality is witchcraft and sorcery and demons, that is real. Amen? So I would examine your home to make sure you don't have a lucky charm. You don't have Ouija board. You don't have something that someone used in an idol worship on your person in your home because you're going to attract demonic activity that way in your life. Amen? 
This is powerful stuff. And a lot of Christians don't even think twice. They say, well, I'm in the grace side. I have the power. And that doesn't mean you don't have power over those demonic spirits. But you don't want to have to deal with them every time you go home. It doesn't mean that you can't cast out devil. It doesn't mean that you don't have power over the devil. You do. But why do you want to make it a haven for that oppression in your life? It's just a little bit of a door that opens. But when it opens, it gives the devil great access into your life. And it can cripple your faith. Because I want my prayers answered. I remember Lester Summerall. Many of you don't know that he's with Jesus now. But he spoke at our church two weeks before he went home to be with the Lord. And I remember we took him out to, to lunch and I took him to the closest restaurant I could see and that was 13 coins by the airport. And we walk in there and there's a bar right there and he turned around and walked out. I said, what's going on? He said, I'm not going in there. There's demons in there. Wow. He was so sensitive to it. But you got to understand though, his ministry, he was dealing with this all the time. In fact... I couldn't pick him up if, you know, on his jet until we sent him a picture of what we look like because in the past, people that were demon-possessed, would, would the devil would tell them he's arriving and they would go and pretend they were the pastor. I mean, these things are real. And so I, I, wanna, I want the blessing in my life to be so strong that when I pray, heaven moves, praise God. I want to see the anointing of God move in a powerful way. Now, I'm going to tell you something else here that may be a little hard to take, but you're going to like it. Genesis chapter 12, look at this. This is the blessing of Abraham. And I want you to notice what it has in it. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. Now watch the next part. I will bless those that bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And all the families of the earth shall be blessed. blessed. You know what he's saying? Anyone that has a bad attitude towards the Jewish people... God pronounces a curse on them. Anti-Semitism Semitism, creates a curse. Look at all the nations overseas that hate Israel. And they're all under a curse. But we see the same thing in the church in America today. You're playing with fire. What God blesses you can't mess with. If God blesses it, don't mess with it. If God blesses the pastor, don't mess with the pastor. Come on, don't. You, you, we, want to, we want to be a blessing. But he says, anyone that curses you, I'll curse. And that's God putting forth the curse. Now there's, and this is kind of hard to understand, but uh, if you go to any cult, whatever, they pronounce blessings just like Christians do. But they also pronounce curses. But the blessings that we have have no limits. And when the curse works through us towards a mountain or a problem in our life, it's without limit. It's different than what the devil uses. Amen? So you can readily see then from the text there that 
This is something we need to be really careful of. And let me go a little bit farther. Racism will create a curse in your life. When we lack one culture over another, it'll create a curse. Jesus has saved every culture. Not one. There's not one culture that's better than another. There's not one that has a step up than the other one doesn't. We're all the same. We're all made in the image of God. Can you say amen? We have to flee from any kind of racism. It'll bring a curse on your life, bring a curse on your family. Now, I'm going to show you something here at this point that I'm excited about it because it's something we do all the time. We end up cursing ourselves by the things we say about ourselves. You can call this a self-imposed curse. Christians do it all the time. I want to give you an example of it in Scripture first. Look in Genesis chapter 31, verse 30 to 32, talking here about Jacob. And Jacob is leaving his uncle Laban. And he's taking his two wives with him. Remember, his two wives was uh, Rebecca and Leah, uh, and Leah. And in the story, he flees. He doesn't tell Laban he's going because he's afraid that Laban won't let him go, take his daughters. And he flees. But his one wife, Rebecca, steals an idol from her father. Now, this is idol worship. Steals an idol. Now, Jacob won't have it, but she steals it, and, and, and Jacob does not know she has it. She's sitting on this idol, either on a mule or a camel. And so Laban shows up, and he accuses Jacob of stealing his idol. And you know what Jacob does? He pronounces a curse. Listen to what it says. And now, we, now, now you have surely gone because you are greatly long for your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? Then Jacob answered and he said to Laban, because I was afraid, for I said perhaps you would take your daughters from me by force. With whomsoever you find your gods, do not let them live. In the presence of our brethren, identify what I have is yours and take it with you. For Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. In other words, he pronounces a curse over his family if they have an idol. He didn't believe they had one, but he pronounced a curse. Read on the story, and, uh, and Rebecca has a child, and in childbearing, she dies. It was all because Jacob had pronounced a curse in his family and, un and set his wife up for trouble. Now, she hid that idol all that time, whatever. She had opened a door, and it cost her her life in having that child. Amen. And you can find these examples all through the Bible. In fact, you can find examples where people would pronounce curses and those curses would sometimes take thousands and thousands of years before they manifested. You take, for example, in the scriptures, the story of Joshua. They go in to take the promised land and to overtake it. And he tells everybody, he says, don't take anything from Jericho. That's going to be our, uh, the, the Jericho belongs to the Lord. It's the first fruits of the promised land. Just kind of like your tithe. Don't take anything from it. 
That's the Lord. And you remember Achan went in there and stole the garments and the Babylonian stuff and all that stuff. The result was they went to battle in Ai and all those people lost their lives. And so Joshua then pronounced a curse on anyone that rebuilt the city. He said, it'll cost you your firstborn. And it'll cost you another son if you do it. 530 years later, I don't know if this man missed Bible school or what, but he went ahead and built Jericho. His son got sick. I don't know what it was like, but I imagine he took his son to whatever doctor they had and said, well, something's wrong with my son here. And I don't know what it is, Dr. Leo. I don't know what's wrong. And his son began to wither away and wither away until, the, until his son died. So he went ahead and built, built it. And then when he opened the gates, his second son died. That was 530 years after the curse had been spoken by Joshua. That's a long time. My point is, is that the world that we live in, there is demonic forces and there's powerful sources that are affected by what we say and what we believe. And there's certain, in certain cities, there are strongholds. There's a curse in that city. In fact, I don't want to tell you what city it is, but I've talked to evangelists that say, you'll never have a revival in that city because that city is cursed. And no one's ever had a revival there since. Say amen. So what we got to do is we got to be free from this stuff. I mean, absolutely set free so that God can do his will in our life. So you can curse yourself just like when Pilate was, was sentencing Jesus to death. You remember he said, this man's innocent. His blood's not on me. I'm not going to take this. And you know what all the people said? Let his blood be on us and our children. And what happened in AD 70? It was surrounded by, by the Romans. They starved them out. Mothers were eating their children because there was no food. And everybody in the city perished. The only ones that lived were the ones that read in Matthew's gospel where Jesus prophesied that when you see the city surrounded, leave, don't go downstairs to pick anything up, leave right then. And, and history tells us that the Christians in Jerusalem left and they were spared, but all those other people perished because of the curse that was released by what they said. Kind of a serious message, isn't it? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to be so sweet to you. I'm never going to say anything negative to you. I'm going to make sure that whatever I say is beautiful and wonderful. Now, this brings me to something that's real personal, and that is this. As a father, as a pastor, I have to be extremely careful what I say because instead of pronouncing a blessing on people, I can pronounce a curse on them in your family. On my wife, on my kids. That's the authority of a father in a, in, a, in a family. He can do that very easily. I'll give you a true story. This lady, she was, had just gotten married, her and her husband, they're both Christians. And uh, she obviously didn't have a mother that taught her how to cook. So she wasn't, she's a terrible cook. At first, he kind of put up with it. And finally, he got sick of it. 
And he told her this, he says, you're the worst cook I've ever tasted in my life. You'll never be able to cook. You're a horrible cook. You couldn't cook your way out of a sack. I mean, he was so mean what he said to her. Now, they ended up divorced. All the ladies said, amen. Amen. (laughs) But here's the part that was crazy. After they were divorced, this woman was extremely talented. Whatever she did outside of the kitchen, she was successful at, successful at business, successful at whatever she did. She was extremely successful. But whenever she walked inside of a kitchen, she got nervous and frustrated and, and anxious and, and all that stuff. Well, this particular evangelist that was pastor ministering to her, he recognized it was a curse. And so he broke the power of that curse. And then she was able to go into the kitchen. She was able to cook and learn how to do it and be good at it. So what do you think happens to your wife when you belittle her? What do you think happens to a child when you tell them they're stupid? When you tell them they'll never amount to anything? What do you think happens when you tell your husband, you always make stupid decisions? You are releasing curses, not as effective with a woman as it is with a man, but nevertheless, curses are released by what individuals say to each other. And they're released when the person accepts it. And they've heard it so many times they believe it. And then there's this satanic oppression they can't put their finger on. I don't know what it is. I've always been like this. My dad used to always tell me that. And they wonder why they can't break free in this area. They can't break free in this area because of the fact they don't realize that there is a curse working in that area in their life. It may not be working in another area, but in that one area it's working because they received it. Amen. So tell your wife, she burns the food, just say, it's the best burnt toast I've ever had. (laughs) Now I know it's a silly illustration, but it's one that is really real. Because a lot of women, they are so beat up. They're beat up verbal abuse. And we don't realize, because you don't want to live with demonic activity in your home. But if you curse your wife like that, it's going to create that within her. It's going to make her subject to demonic activity, make your kids subject to it. And here's one other illustration. It was a family, and there were three boys. And the father loved the youngest and the oldest. But the middle one he had a problem with. And he would always tell the the little one, don't you, can't you do anything right? Why can't you achieve like your younger brother and your older brother? Why why, Why are you always the last? Why are you always fumbling? Why are you always messing up? And see, what he didn't realize is usually when there's a favoritism within family, it's because when you look at the child that you don't like as well, they remind you of yourself. They remind you of your weaknesses. But the reality is this kid was insecure, had no confidence, and he was walking and he was carrying this as a young man after he moved out of the house. And he was carrying this. And it wasn't until the curse was broke that he was able to flower and and become what God had called him to become. But see, what had happened was this soul tie 
with his father had brought this generational curse into his life. It was wrecking everything until he realized that's the cause of the problem. And so through prayer, believing God, he was delivered. Amen? And, and it's so easy sometimes to get frustrated and just let it rip. And, but the reality is there's going to be a lot of devastation when you do that. That's why this, this uncontrolled anger that people have and they say things they don't mean and they just projecting curses right and left. And we see it in our culture today. The things that people say publicly now are unheard of. I mean, when I grew up, a young man would never talk to his father like that. When I grew up, even if you didn't like what your dad said, even if you didn't like what the police officer said, you never spoke in a disrespectful way. And that's why America's having trouble today. We've got curses going right and left because people have no... Oh, how do I say it? They have no discipline. You ever have, see one of those little pots for tea? You, you put, the, put it on, it starts to boil. And then when it whistles, then you know it's ready for tea. We've got to realize we're like a pot of tea. Once you start getting hot, cool off. Because once you start whistling, you're going to say something you're going to regret. Amen. Now you women are going, yeah, pastor, get my husband, get my husband. Women can be mean, man. You know what I'm talking about, cat fights. Come on, come on. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good here. It's true. Now I'm going to give you a key to, to breaking these, these soul ties. That's what attracts these curses. It's a soul tie. Jesus said this. He said, Whenever someone has something against you, whatever it is, forgive them. Which means, if it's whatever, it's anything. That's right. Anything. Forgive them. Here's how a generational curse sticks in a person. They're abused by a parent. They're abused by a teacher. They're abused by someone they respect. And they accept what that person says. And yet, they grow up and they never forgive that person. They carry it with them. Day in, day out. And they'll talk to you about how they were raised, how they were treated. And the problem is, when you do that, because of unforgiveness, those, that curse will give way to demonic spirits in your life. And you can be a good Christian. You can be serving in the church. You can be playing in the band. You can be doing everything. And be a good person. But yet, if you do that, it gives you a soul tie. And that's why we have to forgive everyone. Let it go. Forgiveness is like an IOU. You owe me this. You owe me that. You owe me a better life. You owe me this. You owe me that. Here's how God looks at it. He's up in heaven. He's got all your IOUs in a big pile. He says, listen, I'll tell you what, if you forgive that little pile that you have down there, I'll forgive this big pile that I have up here. Amen. And then when you do that, you break the power of Satan 
in your life that would try to come in and rob your children, your marriage, and everything else. Hallelujah. And it isn't as simple as just saying, let it go. You have to make a decision that I'm not going to go around with resentment and anger of how I was raised, the pitfalls and all that kind of stuff. I'm going to let the past bury the past. I'm going to forgive so that Jesus can forgive me. Hallelujah. Said hallelujah. Now, I was trying to finish a little early here tonight, but it ain't happening. Let me finish with this because I, I want to show you the positive side of a curse. So what could be a positive side? Remember when Jesus spoke to the fig tree? He cursed it. The fig tree, when he approached it, it has little buds that they would eat off it. And if it didn't have little buds, it meant there would be no figs. So he cursed it because he knew it would not bear any fruit in his life. And he says, have faith in God. And truly I say unto you, whosoever will say unto this mountain, be plucked up and cast the seed, and be doused on his heart, but believes the words that he says, he shall have whatever he says. In other words, he's speaking a curse to something that is preventing him from producing fruitfulness in his life. When you have cancer in your body, don't play with it. Curse it. Say in the name of Jesus, I curse you. You have no place in my body. You will not live in my body. You will wither up. You will die. When your body's not recovering, speak to your body. Say, body, you do what I tell you to do. You need to conform to the image and the righteousness of God and not, come on, praise God. There's a, a level of authority that is released in that. There's a story in 2 Samuel one twenty one, And it's a story about King David. And what David does in this story is Saul has been killed along with Jonathan. And he was very close to Jonathan. But what's bad about it is the people that killed him were idol worshipers. And it was on a mountain. I wrote this down. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Uh, the mountain was Bilboa. And he cursed it to let all the heathens around them know that God was greater than their gods. And to this day, Israel's tried to plant trees on it, make it lush, and it continually has bald spots where nothing grows. That was a curse that was spoken thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. That was the power of David. You remember when David went against Goliath? Goliath got up and cursed him with his gods. And what did David do? He pronounced a curse on him. Today I'm going to have your head, praise God. There's a power in this where the mountains in our lives, where the things that hinder us in our lives can be changed and transformed. When we say, enough, enough. I'm not, you're not, I am binding you right now in the name of Jesus. You're no longer going to mess up my life. You're no longer going to do that. And you see this in Scripture. Nobody preaches it. Ananias and Sapphira, when Peter saw them, he told the woman, he said, you're going to fall dead just like your husband. And she fell dead just as he said. 
And you find Paul is approached by a sorcerer who's stopping the gospel from being preached. And Paul speaks to him and says, you're going to be blind for three months. And blindness came over him. Nobody likes to preach this. There's a power in the gospel. We're dealing with a big devil that has a lot of demons that wants to destroy our lives. But we got the greater one that's inside of us. We got the name of Jesus. And we can break the power of the enemy in our lives over regions and that's what intercessory prayer listen to me you need to be breaking the spirits of idolatry within the northwest you need to be breaking those powers because when that lifts the, this area is gonna gonna it's, it's gonna change it's gonna be good so I see from the scriptures this tough part of it where God does that. And what's crazy about the scriptures is that God gives us so many ways to be delivered from curses. One way is the name of Jesus, dealing with it that way. Another way is to ask God to forgive the sins of your fathers. Why? Because when you do that, you forgive and break the family tie. And the curse is broken. Are you following me? Or it could be that you overcome the curse simply by removing the thing that is attracting the curse in your life. Whether it's disobedience. There's so many ways. But God wants you free. And then when you pray, heavens won't be like brass. Heavens will be open. There won't be all that spiritual warfare going on. And, and you'll be able to pray in faith and see God do the salvation of the Lord. Amen. Stand your feet with me, and can I have musicians come up? Hallelujah. Good job tonight, Connie. That was great singing. Loved it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Maybe tonight, as you heard that, you begin to realize this is why it's harder than it should be. This is why there's such a struggle. This is why things seem to be so much harder than what they should be in my life. I've either created an own curse in my own life or I've received one from someone else. And every time I remember them, every time I tell my story and how I was abused, that soul tie is connected. I want you to lift your hands up to heaven with me and say this with me. Heavenly Father, I forgive the sins of my father, the sins of my grandfather. I ask, Father, all the people that have sinned against me, I ask that you would forgive them. And I forgive them, Lord. I'm asking now in the name of Jesus that every curse that had been spoken over me, I break its power in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Boy, is healing going to happen right now without even praying for the healing because the sickness is directly resulted by the, by the 
demonic spirit that is oppressing you. Thank you so much, Lord. Thank you so much, Lord. And Father, I pray for those who despitefully use me. I pray that you would bless them. But I command and I demand that anything that is not of you to wither up and die in me. Thank you for your life. I give you praise in the mighty name. No more weakness. No more temper. I pray, Father, also for those that have been adopted. I break every generational curse that may have been passed on to them, Father. Not knowing who their mom and dad is or knowing who their mom and dad is and knowing that they were people under a curse. I break that power in the name of Jesus. I speak peace and victory. Now with everybody praying, everybody seeking God, the new creation doesn't happen just because you go to church. It happens because you realize that who you were before Christ won't get you saved. You have to come to him and fully receive Jesus as your savior. Let him run your life. Submit to his will and purpose. Tonight in the service, if you do not know Jesus as your savior, if you don't have that assurance tonight that if you died right... Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out riveroflifefellowship.org, our mobile app, and our podcast. Also, find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at River of Life Kent to learn more and keep up with everything that's happening at River of Life Fellowship.